Okay, folks, this is David opposing the Matrix. Um, I was just going to try to use an intro, and that didn't work. So I'm just getting used to this program here, and uh, <clears throat> it's taking a little getting used to. Anyway, um, if you can read across the bottom, I don't know, it's kind of small here, uh, and I don't know how big your monitor is, but uh, the title of tonight's show is, Is It Farewell, Nancy Pelosi? Could the Rumors Be True? Um, I don't know about you, but every time Nancy Pelosi was on television, when she was standing there with her little gavel, sometimes a big gavel, um, I just wanted to go there and grab that gavel out of her hand and pound her with it. Um, you know, that's just my opinion. That's I never did it, so but I can dream. Um, when she was tearing up Trump's speech, State of the Union, I wanted to bring a blender up there, turn it into a fine pulp, and make her drink it. Um, you know, it's... I don't have very many people in this world that I have a great disdain for, uh, but she's one of them. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, she is not going to be in Congress anymore. Uh, I'm glad that she lost her speakership. And my hope is that she never has any kind of influence on the American people ever, ever again. And she may not, because what we're going to talk about tonight is some rumors that are going around. Um, let me lay a, a little groundwork here. Um, I, uh, I got this information from a place called realrawnews.com, and there are some out there that say that this uh, information is, um, is parody, um, and it may well be, okay? Some of the things I read on there make me think that, no, this is some kind of real news, and they try to make it sound like parody, but it's really real, <laughs> okay? And um, and some of you might say, well, uh, what about Nancy Pelosi? I saw her on TV last night, or, I'll, you know, if you, re if you listen to this or look at this show uh, January 3rd or 4th or whatever, you know, oh, Nancy was on TV last night. Um, well, on this Thursday, we're going to uh, look into the possibility that um, technology is so advanced that uh, the elites have the ability to clone people. Uh, but they don't always turn out perfect. Okay, you can always spot it. And oh, was it last week or the week before we did a show where they showed Joe Biden, how his ears were different, how his eyes were different, uh, the creases in his forehead were different, and the whole nine yards. And... Um, you know, a lot of people, well, it's plastic surgery. But, you know, I had an uncle that had plastic surgery, my Uncle Howard. And um, we called him Buddy affectionately. And, and Buddy um, had lots of plastic surgery because he was a, quite a vain individual. Uh, wonderful man, good spirit, but uh, quite vain. And um, he, uh, you could tell when he had plastic surgery, uh, when he had a facelift, the, the lines disappeared from his head. And they didn't come back. Well, they came back later on in life, but... Um, they came back the same as they were before, okay? No changes. Um, the ears, um, I, I never looked at his ears. I didn't even know about any of this stuff. But you could just tell that he had stuff done. And as time progressed, it came back to be the way it was before, all right? So even if uh, um, Mr. Biden had um, plastic surgery, 
it, it tends to go back to the way it was before. Okay. I mean, you could chop some off of the ear and that's not going to come back and, you know, rearrange the nose and that's not going to come back because, you know, you're, you're actually taking away from something. But when you're stretching something, it tends to, to come back the way it was. Um, but I do also believe that, um, that, like I said, the government has the ability to create clones and, and replace. Uh, you might remember a few years ago, um, Hillary Clinton was getting, well, she was when she was running for president against Donald Trump, or um, wanted to, anyway. And, um, and uh, she was outside, and she fainted, and they put her in a van, and she looked in pretty bad shape. I mean, it, it was not something you recover from in an hour or two, you know. Um, I don't know what the problem was, but she fainted right there. They had a carrier actually and put her into the, the SUV and then drive her off and they drove her to Chelsea's house. And, and I don't know what they did there, but, um, anyway, about an hour later, I think it was maybe two hours, uh, a woman emerged, uh, coming down the front step without secret service, which was my first clue that it wasn't her looked just like Hillary Clinton, um, sounded like Hillary Clinton for the most part. But the woman was a little chubbier than, than Hillary Clinton. She had a rounder face. And uh, she, like I said, walking with no uh, secret service and um, and said, oh, I feel fine, you know. And, and it was definitely not her. Okay, so these people at least have body doubles. And um, maybe it goes even farther to where they have clones or doppelgangers made for them or something like that. I, I, don't, see, I don't doubt it with the technology that we have nowadays. Um, we're pre pretty well advanced, and uh, what we see is probably not the the limits to their advancement, shall I say. Um, anyway, uh, so Nancy's been a, a key figure in um, in politics for quite some time. Uh, her father, I think, was the mayor of Baltimore for a while, so she grew up back there. Uh, Italian-American family. Um, I hate to say that because it really puts a tarnish on her um on our Italian American um, ethnicity, um, but uh, it is what it is. You know, there are bad people in every group. It just so happens there's more in the Italian group than there is others. But uh, uh, you know, you just suck it up and live with that fact, and try not to be like the rest of them are. Um, so, you know, she grew up probably in a corrupt family to begin with. I, most people that get into politics are corrupt, and uh, if not, they, they become corrupt afterwards. Uh, so she grew up with corruption, and she was corruption. She married Paul Pelosi. I don't know when. I don't have all the facts here. Okay. Maybe um, maybe we have to do a little history on Nancy Pelosi, huh? Just read the... the... That way we can... Um, get an idea of uh, who we're talking about tonight, okay? And and maybe try to figure out what molded her to become what she, what she uh, became to be. Um, I don't know, aside from having three sixes on a tattoo on the back of your head, it would take a lot to do that. All right, her, her maiden name was D'Alessandro. She was born March 26, 1940. Uh, an American politician who served as Speaker of the House of the United States of Representatives since 2019 with a brief break and previously from 2007 to 2011 i'm sorry that was the break from 11 to 19 and uh, she has represented california's 2012 district uh, congressional district in the house united states house of representatives since 1987 man she was in there a long time 
97, 2007, 2017, what, 30, almost 40 years? Uh, and it's San Francisco, you know, so um, who's to say that, you know, do good things come from San Francisco? Good things come from the Bay Area, but not really from San Francisco. Um, let's see. She was raised in Baltimore, the daughter of mayor and congressman Thomas D'Alessandro. She graduated from Trinity College. I feel like I'm reading Epitaph, and maybe I am. Um, Trinity College, uh, Washington in 1962, and married businessman Paul Pelosi the next year. The two had met while uh, both were students. They moved to New York City before settling down in San Francisco with their children. Uh, focused on raising her family, Pelosi stepped into politics and volunteered for the Democratic Party. She was first elected to Congress in 1987 special election is now, and is now in her 18th term. 18th term, folks. Career politician. Um, she is the dean of California's congressional delegation. Pelosi steadily rose to the ranks of the House, House Democratic Caucus to be elected minor, House Minority Whip in 20, excuse me, 2002 and elevated to House Minority Leader a year later becoming the first woman to hold each of those positions in either chamber of Congress. Pardon me. Under her leadership, Democrats gained an elected, House major, uh, an elected majority in the House for the first time in 12 years during the 2006 midterm elections. Thereafter, Pelosi was elected Speaker of the House, becoming the first woman to hold that office. So she made a lot of, you know, she worked her way up. Let's put it that way. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. After the 2018 midterm elections, Democrats regained control of the House and Pelosi was ele again elected Speaker, becoming the first former Speaker to reclaim the gavel since Sam Rayburn in 1955. During her second Speakership, the House twice impeached uh, President Donald Trump, first in December of 2019 and again in January of 2021. The Senate acquitted Trump both times. You know why? Because he wasn't guilty. Um, she participated, I put that in there, by the way, she participated in the passage of Biden's administration landmark, landmark bills, including the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, the Chips and Science Act, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, and uh, Res Respect for Marriage Act. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Uh, I think that had a lot to do with uh, homosexual marriage, but uh, I digress. Um, anyway, <clears throat> I think I read most of her early life. Uh, yeah, I did. Because that's what really forms people. And so when you grow up in a corrupt, uh, uh, just short of communist family, um, you take on the attributes of what you grew up in. And we all do, right? And... Um, yeah, okay, so that's that's that. So she grew up in that uh, that atmosphere and, um, and carried along with her in her life. And uh, one of the things that, uh, oh, I hope I saved it. If not, I can get it. I'm going to read some stuff that Paul Pelosi had to say today. But anyway, I want, I want to get on with this, okay? So, uh, yeah, we've been on for 11 minutes now, so let's see here. This first, um, okay, the rumor is, and uh, it might possibly be true. Um, let me let me go back uh, here here, and um, 
A couple of weeks ago, there was a letter that was um, going around, and it was written by a, a military pilot. It didn't say which branch. And um, this military pilot said that he was privy to um, ferrying some high-level American um, diplomats or officials, he said, uh, to Guantanamo. And he says you couldn't tell who they were by looking at them because they had um, like black um, black hoods over their heads. He said, but by the way they talked and the way they acted, you kind of figured out. And one of them was Nancy Pelosi. Um, and uh, so I don't see why this guy would have a reason to lie about it. And he, if he's if he's telling the truth, he really put himself in a lot of um, you know, a lot of uh, harm's way because, uh, one, he's made a lot of enemies with the Democrats. Two, he's um, he's uh, told the public about a mission that the military made without probably without the military's permission. Um, and uh, so we'll go there. We'll go there. But anyway, um, so if it's true and Nancy Pelosi was uh, put before a military tribunal, um, I have the... Uh, Really, not all the nuts and bolts, but a lot of the things that happened during this, and I'm going to read them to you. Um, I'm going to be reading a lot, so I'm probably going to make some mistakes, so I ask your your uh, forgiveness for that. Uh, the tribunal's in three parts, and then there's um, another part that talks about how the sentence was carried out. And uh, so let's, let's read. This is part one, Nancy Pelosi's Military Tribunal. Okay. 13 hours over two days is how long it took Vice Admiral Darcy E. Crandall, or Darcy Crandall, of the United States Navy Judge Advocates General's Corps to present evidence against former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, whom a three-officer panel found guilty of treason, seditious conspiracy, and conspiracy to commit murder late Thursday afternoon. In an opening statement, that admiral, that admiral, excuse me, the admiral said JAG and the Office of Military Commissions had copious evidence linking Pelosi to crimes dating back to 1987, but for time's sake, would focus only on her most recent and egregious offenses, uh, stating that, uh, or starting with 2016 murder for hire plot to assassinate then presidential candidate Donald J. Trump. He said JAG, the JAG office, or JAG, was uh, aware of many nefarious schemes to end Trump's life, all of which were bungled or foiled, and had incontroversial evidence tying Pelosi to to four of them. Um, Moreover, Admiral Crandall told the panel he would prove beyond reasonable doubt that Pelosi in 2018 hatched a plot to kidnap Barron Trump to force Donald Trump's resignation, so Pence would would be a new president, excuse me, Pelosi's vice, Pelosi, Vice Admiral Crandall said, had even considered having Melania or Ivanka murdered in hopes of forcing a tormented Trump from office. Furthermore, he said Pelosi shared responsibility with the late Gavin Newsom. Notice that they said late Gavin Newsom. Hmm, That's interesting. So maybe he's a puppet in there too now, huh? Um, in locking down California and enforcing draconian vaccine mandates that sickened or killed countless residents of the Golden State, Pelosi's COVID crimes, he intoned, violated the Constitution of the United States. They affronted the very people she had sworn to serve. But as persons withered and died, not from the not from COVID, but from the clutch, cl- excuse me, clot shot, 
and families grieved, Pelosi grew in wealth and power immeasurably so. Uh, when she was, wasn't was wielding um, an iron fist, she was clutching the bottle, <laughs> Vice Admiral Crandall said, and informed the panel witnesses' statements and Pelosi's own documents would give credence to the JAG's uh, allegations. If you've watched her speak, you've seen, probably seen, there's been times she's been pretty toasted up on stage. Um, let's get back to this. This woman isn't even vaccinated, Vice Admiral Crandall said, pointing at Pelosi. We know this because we pulled her blood and we can test. She eschewed her own mandates. Why? Because she knew the vaccines were dangerous and we'll prove that. Okay. Um, when offered a chance to give her own opening statement, Pelosi appeared, appearing sans counsel, pursed her lips and kept quiet. She was disheveled and seemed distraught, her shriveled bony fingers visibly trembling as bloodshot eyes scanned the court. Vice Admiral Crandall introduced a witness, a 29-year-old Latin male named Javier, or Xavier, some people pronounce it, but it's really Javier, Ramirez, who, having been sworn in, described himself as Pelosi's former gigolo and boy toy. He testified under oath that he had regularly entertained Pelosi between April and July of 2016, usually in upscale hotels in San Francisco area. Mr. Ramirez said that he hadn't documented each meeting, but guessed that he saw Pelosi 15 times. That's one five. I hope that you were paid well, Mr. Ramirez, Vice Admiral Crandall quipped. Very well, the witness replied. I've never seen this man before in my life, Pelosi shouted at the top of her lungs, her voice gravelly and hoarse. The Admiral reprimanded her outburst, saying she should exercise decorum or be physically restrained. Mr. Ramirez, when he first spoke, you, when we first spoke, you mentioned a specific meeting on a certain date. If you would, would you please repeat what you said to the best of your recollection, Vice Admiral Crandall said. Quote, it was July 21st, 2016. Nancy was in a bad way because Mr. Donald Trump had just accepted a Republican nomination. Trump this, Trump that was all she talked about. She paid me, so I listened. She was drinking, of course. Nancy likes to drink. She's a big drinker, a habitual drinker, to say, say it in a nice way. So the more she drinks, the more she talks. While we appreciate your colorful tale, could you please be briefer? And come to the point, Vice Admiral Crandall said. The point, yes. She said she wanted to kill Donald Trump, the witness said. Kill or have killed? Well, have killed. She certainly wasn't doing it herself. Nancy asked me, do I know someone because I'm a Cuban? I must know someone, she, she told me. Oh, a little bit of profiling there, huh, folks? A little racial profiling. You're Cuban, so you must know Hitman. I've heard that before, too. You're Italian, so do you know anybody that can rub this person out? I've actually been asked that before. Okay, anyway, back to the article. I thought maybe she, she joked and asked if she was kidding, but no, Nancy was dead serious. She offered me 25000 cash in advance for, to find someone. Nancy said if I did and it got done, I'd get 225000 more, and the person who killed Trump would get 250000 Then she laughs and says to me, if Trump has Trump has too much protection, uh, no. If Trump has too much protection, she can do the daughter. You know, the tall, pretty blonde Ivanka. Vice Admiral asks, 
um, Mr. Ramirez if he had seen her handle $25,000. He said, I saw it coming out of her purse, banded stacks of a thousand each. I saw it, I touched it, but I did not take. I told, I told her, you're Nancy Pelosi, you, have, you must have powerful friends. I want nothing to do with this. And she tells me this, and, and this is, I remember very well. This time it has to be outside, an outside party. I tell her flatly, that's not why I'm here, Mr. Ramirez explained. Let's see. And I assume, Mr. Ramirez, the services performed for the defendant didn't cost 25 grand, Vice Admiral Crandall said. Mr. Ramirez laughed. No, I wish, but much less. And she paid me in advance. Did you bring your concerns to the Secret Service, to the police? Are you crazy? No, if I could kill Trump, uh, if she could kill Trump, I could get killed like a fly on the wall. Uh, when I left, it was the last time I saw her, Mr. Ramirez said. Yet the defendant claims she's never seen you before today. But we know that's untrue, Vice Admiral Crandall said. He projected onto a large television digital images um, he had obtained from a witness. One clearly showed Pelosi and Mr. Ramirez hugging in a hotel room. Another showed them standing side by side, smiling at a camera. These are selfies you took in the defendant's company, is that correct? That's correct, Mr. Ramirez said. Why did you take them? Bragging rights. Vice Admiral Crandall shouted, I really don't think that's something to brag about, Mr. Ramirez. You're excused. Uh, the Admiral addressed the panel. This alone is a solicitation for murder, which is traditional, which in traditional courts carries up to a 20-year sentence. In this case, we're talking about a presidential candidate, and we're by no means done. And he says, note, I will post part two as soon as possible. Well, I read it. He's got it. Okay. So let's take a break for a second here, folks. What do you think about this, you know? Um, I don't know. It sounds pretty legit to me, but at the same time, what do I know? <laughs> um, I would like to have a, um, if there's a tape, there's there's some guys on TV called the um, uh, something panel. And they get together and they, they look at people um, that are saying things and they look at how they, you know, how they move their head, their eyes, uh, if they look down, if they look to the left, it means one thing. They look to the right, it means another I'd like to have that video and place it in front of them and see what they think about these witnesses that are telling the truth or whatever, you know. Um, but um, for the most part, I've seen, I've heard about this stuff coming for a long time, you know, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, you'll, you'll notice that Hollywood's gotten quite quiet over the last couple of years. Uh, you don't see a lot of people around anymore, and there's a reason for that. And if you do see them around, uh, are they really the originals or are they copies? So um, anyway, uh, let's continue. This is part two. After Amiris left the witness box, Vice Admiral Crandall produced a second witness via a Zoom call, a Hispanic female who said her name was Elsa Fuentes, who told the court she had been Pelosi's unpaid intern between January through March 2018. Her appearance on video seemed to unnerve Pelosi, whose eyes narrowed contemptuously while gazing at the woman's face on the screen. The Admiral asked Ms. Fuentes a few questions. How, how, do you become interest, how did you become interested in politics? What are your, your, your routine duties? Did you enjoy your work? 
Was the environment pleasant? Did you enjoy Nancy's company? <laughs> Quote, I hated the bitch by day two. My duties, arrange her calendar, setting up appointments, canceling appointments, fetching coffee and cappuccino, cleaning her office, taking her clothes to the dry cleaners, picking up her clothes from the dry cleaners, making her hair appointments, running to the liquor store for at least twice a week, Mrs. Fuentes said. You sound a bit bitter, Vice Admiral Crandall said. Is it safe to say that bitterness won't affect your testimony? Uh, quote, just in case she's a bitch, uh, excuse me, just because she's a bitch don't mean I lie, Miss Fuentes said. If I'm angry, was angry, it's because I knew interns from other reps weren't doing the shit stuff that I was. I had to do. Uh, most reps paid their interns, but Nancy didn't. Hi there, Nancy. Good to see you. You're finally where you belong, she went on, suddenly smiling as she vigorously waved at the defendant. Vice Admiral Crandall asked her not to address or incite the defendant. Meanwhile, Nancy sat still in a puddle of stag as a, still as a puddle of stagnant water. Okay, let me pull attention back to what you told me when you gave me sworn deposition, Mrs. Ms. Fuentes. Uh, that the day, March tenth, twenty eighteen, you were in Nancy's Pelosi's office. In, is that correct? Said the admiral. I was, Miss Fuentes answered without hesitation. I remember because Nancy kept me late doing spreadsheets and transcripts and other th reasons. And Nancy was present. She was in her office and I was in what was called the side office, more like a large closet than an office where secretaries or interns sit. A door connects the two and it wasn't really ever locked or closed all the way. I think Nancy probably wanted to eavesdrop, you understand, in case we were talking about her, said Miss Fuentes. Um, let's refrain from speculation, please, Miss Miss Fuentes. Sorry, sir. Anyway, I overheard her on the phone talking to someone, no idea who it was, about <coughs> about killing President Trump. Sorry, folks, I got a Chewini dog here that thinks she has to bark at everything, so we're just going to have to muddle through, okay? Uh, she was saying she didn't care how much money it took. She wanted him dead. Nancy was spitting out large figures like millions, Miss Fuentes said. Uh, was there anyone in the offices beside you and the defendant, Vice Admiral Crandall asked? Just us two. She was talking on a burner phone. Nancy didn't conduct unofficial business on her, phone, her office phone. She had a drawer full of burners, uh, Miss Fuentes said. Let, uh, let the record reflect but that the... By burners, the witness means, generally speaking, inexpensive, expendable, untraceable cellular phones paid for with cash. Do you recognize this? asked the Admiral as he pulled from a cardboard box a plastic evidence bag holding the upper and lower halves of a prepaid phone someone had snapped in two. Of course I do. I gave it to you, Miss Fuentes replied. How did you come to obtain this phone? the Admiral queried. Took it from her trash bin before I left that night. She'd left first, Miss Fuentes said flatly. Pretty bold of you to fool and foolish of her to just drop it in a wastebasket where you worried she'd find out. Miss Fuentes said Nancy that day had consumed half a bottle of Smirnoff vodka and was inebriated beyond comprehension when she stumbled out of the office at 8.30 p.m. Moreover, she said she'd covered her tracks. She proudly boasted how she'd taken a, an identical unopened burner phone from Pelosi's drawer, broke it the way broke it in that way and closely mimicked how Nancy had snapped the original and laid it in the trash. 
When I got to the office the next day, the trash has been emptied. Not a word was ever said, she said. And you held on to it almost five years, Vice Admiral Crandall said. Miss Fuentes nodded. I wasn't going to hand it off to just anyone. Then I might have, you know, then I might have, you know, disappeared. Miss Fuentes, I don't think that anything's to worry about anymore. You're excused. The Admiral told the panel that despite Pelosi's pedestrian attempt to render the phone useless, she hadn't even removed the SIM card from it the Jag extracted call logs and dozens of incriminating text messages that described not only assassinating President Trump, but also her plan to kidnap and get rid of Trump's then 12-year-old son, Barron. Part of the message read, as soon as possible, take Barron and Trump won't function. He'll have to leave, and then we'll, I'll have Pence. Um, wiring now on what's been discussed. Another message, or Ivanka, make her less pretty. Okay, hold on a second. Let me scroll here. Of course, her messages were sent to another to another burner phone, disconnected. But the vice admiral, but Vice Admiral Crandall began. Nancy stood. She spoke. She said that she was innocent. Innocent with an explanation. It's no secret I dislike Donald Trump. This is all fantasy, my fantasy, and a fantasy is no crime. It was role play, nothing more. She hissed. Excuse me. We have your bank records. You wired 375000 to an account in Zurich minutes after uh, you sent that text. Ben Folds, a fake name, I'm sure. That's a hefty sum to spend on role play for someone who wouldn't even pay her intern a dime, Vice Admiral Crandall said. Your so-called witnesses are compromised, corrupt. I won't stand for this. Then please take your seat or we'll put you in it, the Admiral snapped as two Marine flanked Pelosi. By the way, I think you got ripped off. Um, I'm sure that you won't like our next witness either, the Admiral continued. He called to the stand a cooperating witness, Nancy's estranged husband, Paul Pelosi. Note, part three as soon as possible. <clears throat> well, guess who has part three? Me. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, military tribunal, the conclusion. Okay, so Nancy says, what is this, a trick? We're still married. He can't be made to testify against me. Nancy spat as Vice Admiral Crandall invited Paul Pelosi to the witness stand. No one's forcing him to do anything, Vice Admiral Crandall replied. He's speaking voluntarily and his testimony will be heard. Paul Pelosi had, had a story to tell. Although Nancy and he married in 1963, they hadn't been truly betrothed since 20, 2007, excuse me, when she for the first time ascended to Speaker of the House and developed an unquenchable thirst for undiluted power. Paul with a tragic tale. As Nancy's influence surged, her affection for him waned, as did his for her, years afterwards. Paul defined their post-2007 marriage as pragmatic to give the world the illusion that the couple, despite personal ambitions, had a stable civil household. But that fantasy life, Paul said, was uh, an elaborate misdirection. It was clear that Vice Admiral Crandall was giving Paul Pelosi the necessary latitude to paint an unflattering portrait of Nancy. I don't know about you, but I like reading stuff like this, especially when it's her. Um, the longer Nancy served, the nastier she got, Paul said, and she quickly and rightfully became known as a congressional bitch. 
Uh, Paul became her professional pinata on bad days when someone either challenged her authority or disagreed with her political viewpoint. She drank heavily and browbeat Paul until he embraced alcohol as a coping mechanism to endure and survive her daily verbal onslaught. Nancy had a consummate alcohol Nancy, a consummate alcoholic, disdained Paul's drinking and frequently accused him of being a drunk while she herself was intoxicated beyond all reasonable comprehension. Paul said that he had several occasions uh, written to leave her. When I did, Admiral, uh, when I did, Admiral Crandall, she said that she'd ruin me. Paul Pelosi said, "I was a punching bag, and she couldn't that she could torment." She needed someone close to her to torment. It was her nature. He went on to say he felt momentarily relieved in 2010 when the Republicans won the House and John Boner supplanted her, or Bonner, excuse me, had uh, supplanted her as Speaker. I made the mistake of thinking having fewer responsibilities might temper her attitude, Paul Pelosi said. That she'd have less stress, I was wrong. She just got meaner, and when I bore the brunt of her anger, and I bore the brunt of her anger, you must understand that she thrives on conflict and will create it if there's none around. She hates almost everyone. If she perceives you a threat or competition, she'll devote her life to unraveling yours like a ball of yarn, and she'll keep pulling those threads until bigger and a bigger threat comes along. Uh, you know that she, you know what she hates most that there are women younger and prettier than her in Congress. I went through years of hell, forced to sleep on the couch, which really got to be a blessing, being that, being told to eat frozen dinners when she feasted on the most expensive meals money can buy and brought lavish gifts for lovers, and there are quite a few. So in 2018, when 2018 rolls around, once again she's made speaker. Paul Pelosi was silent a moment, and then his face went grave. After it became very clear that Donald Trump would be the Republican nominee, she says to me very matter-of-factly, if I can't kill Trump, you'll have to do it. Paul Pelosi described that as an, his oh-shit moment, for he feared that his wife could and would make good on the threat. Nancy, said, Nancy he said, had an unhealthy obsession for Trump from the start. Her every spoken word invoked his name, and her very, every spoken sentence was laden with colorful adjectives describing how she felt about Trump, the Trump family, and the Trump empire. When Trump appeared on television or at a rally, Nancy went berserk, retreating into a bottle and berating and threatening Paul, until he, in a moment of clarity, realized he had to protect himself from Nancy's unending wrath. He began to surreptitiously record phone conversations between his wife and parties unknown, discussing Trump's demise. He copied incriminating data from Nancy's computers to SD cards, um, which he then buried in places Nancy would never find them. He had hired private investigators to shadow Nancy's uh, movements. The investigator had trailed her to countless meetings with her lovers in shadowy spots of San Francisco and Washington area where she handed off envelopes of cash to suspicious-looking persons, ostensibly um, hitmen or their representatives. Uh, Vice Admiral Crandall played audio of Nancy Pelosi screaming on the phone, I paid you in advance $3 million to put the damn bomb on Trump's plane. When are you going to do it? Her speech was slurred as if drunk. Or give me my damn money back. 
According to Paul, the conversation took place on May 17, 2017, three days before President Trump traveled uh, aboard Air Force One to the Middle East. When furious Nancy hung up the phone, she chucked Paul a um, what? She cucked Paul by divulging tales of her trysts with various lovers who took care of her in ways Paul never could. It's absurd to think that to think even the most competent or excuse me competent assassin could sabotage the president's plane, Vice Admiral Crandall said. We could not identify whom she spoke to, but thanks to Mr. Pelosi, we have proof in the form of financial transactions that she wired $3 million to a bank account in the Cayman Islands five days before the call. He showed the panel Nancy's bank statements. Mr. Pelosi, why didn't you, why didn't you bring any of this stuff to the Secret Service, Vice Admiral Crandall asked, because it's rife with corruption, and it's likely that they would have disappeared me. The Secret Service is a deep state, is deep state. Paul Pelosi replied, like your wife? Yes, Nan like Nancy, Paul Pelosi said. Mr. Pelosi told us how to procure his evidence after his own trial. Uh, Vice Admiral Crandall told the panel he could have shared it sooner before his trial and, it, and used it as a bargaining chip, but he didn't. Mr. Pelosi, why didn't you? The truth is I felt safer here than out there. Here are protected while she was free parading around with actor Sam Waterston wearing makeup to look like me. That's interesting. That guy played on Law and Order. He was one of the chief characters. Ugh. Well, so much for taste. Uh, thank you, Mr. Pelosi. Your cooperation in this matter will be taken into consideration. As for the defendant, it's Jag's opinion that we've proven beyond reasonable doubt that Nancy Pelosi committed treason and conspiracy to commit murder against President Donald J. Trump. It matters not if a bomb was ever planted. It's our recommendation that she, that the defendant be hanged for her crimes, Vice Admiral Crandall said. The panel unanimously agreed, and Vice Admiral Crandall set an execution date for December 27th. That was today. Um, Let's see. Author's note, for the sake of brevity, I have omitted COVID stuff from the article. In short, Paul had documents and digital data proving that Nancy had accepted nearly $63 million from the Treasury Department in exchange for supporting masks and vaccine mandates and pushing, and pushing the lockdowns. Okay, so where do we go from here? Well, today is 1227, and it should have been the day for her uh like i i like to say a uh, monopoly term go to hell go directly to hell do not pass go do not collect two hundred dollars okay so this says nancy pelosi hanged at gitmo and if it's not true it will be someday so it's a preemptive strike or preemptive hope maybe um, okay, President Donald J. Trump was at Guantanamo Bay Tuesday to witness Nancy Pelosi's execution, which took place at 10 a.m., JAG sources uh, told Real, Real, uh, Real Raw News. The embattled president reportedly arrived at Gitmo aboard a U.S. Marine Sikorsky VH-3D Sea King helicopter and was escorted to the execution site at about the time Base staff pulled Pelosi from a six by nine foot cell 
she'd been living in since arriving at Guantanamo Bay on the 1st of December. So that's when she went. Okay. As reported previously, Pelosi was among a bevy of deep staters arrested after attending a taxpayer-funded billion-dollar party honoring socialist Emmanuel Macron following a lengthy military military tribunal, a JAG panel convicted Pelosi of treason and conspiracy to commit murder, sending her to hang by the neck until dead. Okay, Camp Delta staff have called Pelosi an Eras, I'm going to spell this word, I-R-A-S-C-I-B-L-E, prisoner. Irascible, um, I guess. Pris, uh, prisoner, second only to the late Hillary Rodham Clinton, who coincidentally lived in the same cell ahead of her hanging on April t- uh, 2021. Perhaps Hillary's poltergeist inhabited the cell and haunted Pelosi, letting her know what awaited her an afterlife of eternal damnation in limbo. Um, Gitmo Guard said said a bellicose Pelosi spent her first week in confinement uh, detoxing from alcoholic withdrawal. Pelosi, they said, would sit shivering in the corner of her cell, wrapped in a blanket, her mood shifting between melancholy to intemperate. Sometimes catatomic, uh, lost her own in her own thoughts, and sometimes untamable, screaming in fits of unbridled rage and even urinating on the cell floor. But Pelosi couldn't scream and shout when taken from from her cage Tuesday morning, for the guards had spiked her final meal, waffles and two scoops of ice cream, uh, with a sedative that left her conscious but subdued, other sources said. Um, Nonetheless, she was gagged and placed uh, in arm and ankle restraints for her ride to the gallows. The sedative lasted only a short while. Pelosi was trying to free herself as Marines yanked her from the armored Hummer and walked her to the shallow flight of steps leading to the platform where a uniformed soldier awaited orders to flip the switch and a Navy chaplain stood ready to give last rites. Okay. And then Pelosi saw President Trump. Her eyes, our source said, narrowed as she trembled in apoplectic fury as the hangman fitted the noose around her bulging neck. Uh, besides Trump were, were, was Vice Admiral Crandall and a military cater. Uh, Trump, our sources said, whispered words in the, ears, <clears throat> in the Admiral's ears, but was otherwise stoic and silent. Vice Admiral Crandall said he felt obligated to offer the condemned the final statement and asked Pelosi whether she'd behave if he ordered her gag to be removed. He cautioned Pelosi that a criminous outburst would not alter her fate. Nancy nodded and the hangman momentarily removed her gag. Okay, folks, I'm going to use language here that has to be used because it's applicable to this, okay? Um... No, I'm not. I'm just going to say, F all of, all of you, especially you. This is all you're doing. She was looking at President Trump. <clears throat> I represent the real president. That's not Joe Biden, and I'm sure as hell isn't you. Kill me, and I'll haunt you until your dying day. The admiral asked if she wanted last rites. Nancy turned to the chaplain, F you too. I guess that's no that's a no, so the Admiral said. Uh, finally President Trump spoke good riddance, Nancy. Nancy Pelosi was pronounced dead at ten oh seven AM Eastern Standard Time, December twenty seventh, twenty twenty two. 
for Trump, for Trump, her death must have been a catharsis. Um, she had plotted to murder not only him, but also his family, including her youngest son, Baron. Sources told Real, New Real Raw News that um, Trump had toured the aftermath of the Christmas Day attack. Oh, yeah, I got to tell you about that. I forgot. He personally promised to help secure Gitmo, but did not explain what that entailed. <clears throat> okay, yeah, we got to talk about that too, folks, because if you realize that there's a civil war going on right now, and that there's good guys and bad guys, the bad guys being a deep state, and the good guys are what they call the white hats, okay? And uh, I think it's always been a, a war, but it's now it's turned hot because it used to be a cold war between the two. They would do stuff... Uh, kind of in a passive-aggressive way. Um, but um, anyway, all right. So I want to read another one called Paul and Nancy's Christmas Goodbyes. And then I'm going to read about that attack. And then um, we'll, we'll have some finality. And then uh, I just want to see how we're doing here. Okay, 45 minutes. I'm not doing bad, not at all. Okay. So. Uh, okay, maybe they took this part down. Oh, nope, there it is. Paul and Nancy's Christmas Goodbyes. Okay, let's make sure that this is the one I'm looking for. Okay, yeah, it is. All right. This one isn't that long, actually, so it'll go pretty quick. And then we'll read about the attack at Gitmo. Paul Pelosi, who Gitmo staff have called the model prisoner, was asked on Christmas Eve whether he had final words for his wife before she heads to the gallows Tuesday morning. The mere mention of her name triggered in Paul an emotional eruption. His face reddened and rivulets of tears streamed down his cheeks. They were born not of sorrow, he said, but of happiness. He said he hoped Nancy's downfall would be a catharsis um, by proxy, that her death would liberate him from all the years of suffering and anguish he'd endured at her hands. Her death, he added, would catapult him to freedom for her living essence even incarcerated vexed him like an unscratchable itch that's <laughs> pretty bad um let's see paul told staff that he'd be delighted to pay final respects conditionally he asked that nancy be gagged otherwise she'd launch into verbal uh, invective and he'd never get a word in nancy speech once started was like a barrel rolling down a hill bouncing and looping out of control oddly staff complied paul's good behavior and testimony against nancy must have earned him a few favors he also said he wanted her comments his comments to nancy on the record for history's sake a muscular marine and an officer escorted paul to a small square room illuminated by fluorescent fixtures on the ceiling uh, below, two empty office chairs were facing each other and spaced about five feet apart. Paul took the seat farthest from the door and drew a deep breath as Nancy, handcuffed, kicking and trying to scream through her muzzle, appeared in the doorway, her prison shoes slipping and sliding on a tile floor. 
Behind her stood a Marine, his hands grasping and squeezing her upper arms as she was like she was an accordion. Uh, he cautioned her to calm down and behave while pushing her trembling body into the seat opposite Paul. Anger flustered in Nancy's eyes, her complexion flushed, and she stared at Paul like a creature possessed. She probably was. Hello, Nancy, Paul said calmly. This was just, this is, was short notice. Excuse me, this was short notice, so I didn't have time to make a list. I know Christina is not my biological daughter. Yes, she has some of my features. No, I didn't do a test. A man knows these things. I kept quiet, but I wanted you to know. I knew all along. I hated you in ways I can't even articulate and have words I wouldn't say to any other uh, company. For over 20 years, you treated me like an unwelcome house guest or a cat kicked. But when I wanted to leave, you threatened to destroy me or worse, not because you loved me. You needed someone to bully. I may be in prison, but you're going to die and I won't shed a tear for you. I'm happier here than I was with you. Here I have peace. No one bothers me. No incessant nagging. No bickering. No threats to my life. You're, you're the most vile, wicked woman on earth. Hillary Clinton was Mother Teresa compared to you, you ungrateful, egocentric megalomaniac. You're a narcissistic, inconsiderate bitch and a psychopath. Now I am sober and see clearly, and now I and the world will be rid of you once and for all. Froth soaked Nancy's gag and drizzled down the corners of her lips. The Marine laid his hands on her shoulders, stopping her from propelling from the seat. Merry Christmas, Nancy, Paul said, his voice hollow and devoid of emotion. My slate is clean. The Marines and officers escorted Paul to his cell and Nancy to hers. Rumor has it that Paul may receive reduced sentence. I probably will. Okay. Now, what's all this business about an attack at Gidmo? Like I was saying, there's a civil war that's going on, and it's going on between the intelligence company or the intelligence offices or bureaus, whatever you want to call them, um, and in some cases within the military. And um, the, there, there's a split that is is deep state wants um, the new world order and wants the state, the deep state, to win. And then there's the good guys, the white hats that are on our side, are trying to preserve the union and and protect people. Uh, these are the guys that go down like after a hurricane and watch for FEMA people that try start ripping people off and uh, and then taking care of them. Um, so anyway, uh, the article says this uh, deep state strikes at Gitmo on Christmas. Okay, here we go, and this will be the last article we really will read and um, we'll talk. Uh, armed forces loyal to the criminal Biden regime staged a Christmas Day Bay of Pigs-style assault on Guantanamo Bay, but were repelled by White Hats who had fortified the island stronghold in anticipation of a deep state strike, sources at Gitmo and in General Berger's office told the Real News. Uh, real, raw, real Raw News, excuse me. As the sun set in the twilight filled the sky, air traffic controllers, the ATC at Leeward Point Airfield, made an intermittent primary radar contact with an unknown aircraft 20 miles due south of the naval station. The bogey appeared, disappeared, reappeared, and it was not transmitting mode C, meaning that it had an inactive or disabled transponder, an electronic device that produces a response 
when it receives a radio frequency interrogation. Air Force, excuse me, aircraft have transponders that assist in identifying them on air traffic control radar. Air traffic control units use the term squawk when they are assigned an aircraft, uh, when they assign an aircraft with a transponder code that is like squawk 7421. Okay. ATC broadcasting on military and general aviation frequencies asked the bogey to enable its transponder and identify itself for it was approaching restricted airspace. One controller made a joke saying Santa's sleigh was making a Gitmo uh, pit stop, but his jovality faded uh, when the contact split in two, then three individual contacts. ATC received no digital or audio response to their queries. Uh, the uh, contacts flew too slow to be military jets or commercial aircraft. Helicopters were attempting to evade radar by flying low on the horizon. ATC sounded the alarm and the sirens wailed throughout the base. Elsewhere, spotters on the southern beachhead saw three mechanized assault, uh, air, uh, assault craft, each holding an unknown number of troops speeding toward them. At the bow of each of the craft were twin 50 caliber machine guns. Their presence meant their presence meant a mother meant a mothership, most likely an amphibious assault ship, 840 foot behemoths capable of carrying 2,500 men, and a tremendous payload loomed somewhere out in a distance unseen. By then, Gitmo's deputy commander officer, Lieutenant General uh, Andrew A. Croft, had learned of the impending invasion. He uh, and what senior staff remained he and what senior staff remain on the base for Christmas Day, or Christmas holiday, uh, retreated to an impregnable command and control center and planned a counter-strike. 4,500 battle-hard Marines took their posts and prepared for an onslaught. Um, also on base, on loan from the U.S. Army White Hats, were two man-pod uh, platoon, excuse me, Platoons armed with uh, Stinger surface-to-air shoulder-fired missiles. Uh, they were told to prepare to engage three CH-53C stallions, not only f now only a few miles from the base, perhaps with orders to strafe Gitmo or land troops on White Hat territory. The lead sea stallion, um, still over water, was hit twice and exploded in a crimson fireball. Mangled metal blown to bits, bodies fell into the sea. A uh, third missile hit the second chopper, striking near the exhaust and causing the rotor mass to separate from the airframe. It plunged into the water south of Guantanamo Bay. The third sea stallion got below an inside stinger's engagement envelope. A door gunner opened fire and hit four Marines and man pads, uh, crew members who were seeking to cover while engaged in a helicopter with small arms fire. Uh, bullets riddled their bodies and they fell down dead. When the bird tried to extend to make another pass, two marine squads peppered it with rounds from their rifles and squad automatic weapons. The door gunner slumped forward and tumbled, in, tumbled from the chopper as plumes of black smoke poured from the engine. It hit the ground intact. Meanwhile, marine, <laughs> meanwhile, marine platoons pinned down mechanized landing craft trying to land um, troops. Beside McCall Field, the base's defunct airstrip, 
firing from small steel barriers, rock walls, and sand berms. Two valiant marines sacrificed themselves by rushing forward and lobbing grenades onto, one, onto the craft. They were cut down, but the grenades hit their marks, and gunfire emanating from the craft instantly ceased amid cries for help and wailing south, uh, sounds of death. Um, the remaining craft reversed engines and began to retreat. The general in command ordered all forces to cease fire, saying that enough blood had been spilled. Um, as the smoke cleared, a V-22 Osprey lifted off from Leeward Point Airfield with orders to locate whatever vessel had deployed the mechanized landing craft. The pilots spotted their target, a WASP-class amphibious assault ship. It's almost like a little aircraft carrier, folks, um, that for helicopters and stuff. They're kind of neat looking. Um, a WASP-class amphibious assault ship heading southeast toward the coast of Venezuela. They put out a warning on military frequencies. Enemy warship, enemy warship, you are warned to aggress the vicinity. Uh, we have two, I repeat, two Arleigh Burke-class destroyers at our disposal and will arrive in several hours and return to base after loitering for nearly near the vessel for uh, 30 minutes. A Gitmo source uh, Monday told Real World News that despite the loss of life, the base's force performed admirably and were successful in repelling an, arm, an armed incursion. I think they hoped to catch us sleeping, you know, it was since it was Christmas, that our bellies would be full and we'd be languishing around. Well, they were wrong. Our fortifications held. Uh, Gitmo has spent um, months fortifying itself for an expected attack. Uh, personnel began bolstering defenses and increasing manpower after the feds illegally occupied President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. They made other improvements in early December following an ultimatum from the regime's defense secretary demanding that white hat officers surrender to him by December 22nd. The, the source said some enemy forces survived a third chopper crash and have been taken prisoner. Their wounds got treated. They'll be held as prisoners of war, enemy combatants. We don't yet have a tally of their dead. If the sea stallions were um, loaded to capacity, that could be could have been 55 troops on each right now we can't we can say only 47 including the disabled ship uh, we lost uh, seven men with 14 wounded overall we were hugely successful he said a source in general um hold on while i scroll here i'm almost done we got two more paragraphs um a source in david in uh, excuse me general david h berg's office however had a different take he said the general berger having interviewed Having reviewed the after-action report called the White Hat's efforts to an abject failure, the amphibious assault ship, the general said, should have been detected visually and on radar long before the helicopters left its flight deck and landing craft emerged from the well deck. The loss of a single Marine was unacceptable. As an aside, Gitmo ought to review its defensibility on a massive naval bombardment would obliterate it in minutes. The station's personnel have only two means of escape, either by sea or fleeing north over the wall into Cuba, which would incite an international incident. In closing, Real Raw News wonders uh, whether the limited attack was meant to free Nancy Pelosi, who was scheduled to hang tomorrow. Uh, Nancy Pelosi will hang tomorrow regardless, again, most source said. Okay, so we got <laughs> the military fighting against itself. 
My understanding is that the Navy is totally um, for Americans uh, and that the other and the Marines, of course, because they're part of the Navy, but um, loosely part of the Navy, I should say. But the Army and Air Force are um, basically um, split as to what's going on. So anyway, um, so there you have it, folks. We uh, here we go. We have a, uh, a civil war going on in our military. We have uh, members of the political, the, the Congress, being arrested, taken to get well, one of them hanged. Uh, it said in the article that Hillary Clinton was um, hanged also last year. And um, so is this true or isn't it? Well, that remains to be seen. But... Um, if this continues, uh, like I said, actors are, are not in Hollywood anymore. Um, and there are other um, offices and stuff where it appears um, substitutes have been um, have been given. Um, now, as, as to the, uh, what do you call it? The, um, sorry folks, the clock's ringing and it kind of threw me off. Um, oh yeah, the clones, okay. Uh, Thursday night, I'm going to have a show. I'm going to talk about them and how they possibly might be manufactured and and where and, and things like that. And um, so we'll we'll get into that um, on Thursday. But um, the the thing is um, <laughs> that uh, oh yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. Okay, thank you, Lord. Um, I don't know if I said this already. If I didn't, if I did, forgive me. But um, I've told this story a couple times a day, and I don't know if one of the times is on here. Um, back uh, about 2010, uh, actually it was probably 2011, um, I was in mourning because my first wife had passed away. And, you know, when you're that way, you're, you know, oh, I wish I could see them again. I wish I could talk to them and stuff. And, um and I can't remember if it was a dream or if it was um, a, a vision or a word or something, but um, it definitely seemed real to me. And, and the Lord um, Yahweh talked to me and, and said uh, these words, you'll see her again, but it won't be her. Okay, and that kind of freaked me out, but it, at the same time, it kind of made sense. Because I've been studying, you know, the um, the alien uh, abduction scenario stories and stuff like that, and knowing what they're taking from the women and the men, they could easily be creating new creatures, and um, and it, it was a possibility to me then that maybe one of those creations would come knocking on my door one day and claiming to be someone she's not. Um, and then I uh, talked to Jim Wilhelmson. You probably remember him. He was. Uh, on this show when it was a lot younger and he and we were all a lot younger but um and he said that he had had a and i hope i get the story right he'd had a dream where um and you got to understand his mother and father were very uh, they were holy people um very um devout that's what i'm looking for devout believers in yeshua okay and uh, so in this dream they came back you know, they'd been dead and uh, 
they came back and I guess knocked on his door and he answered and invited him in. And they were trying to tell him that um, all of the things that he had heard scripturally, like um, uh, raising from the dead, Yeshua raising from the dead, and um, uh, all, all the core beliefs of Christianity and, and things like that uh, were lies and that they weren't true and that the new age was really the way to go. Well, he realized in a dream that that was not his parents. And um, so anyway, there seems to be some kind of thing where um, the dead are going to come back, but they're not going to be who they were. Okay. Maybe it's a false rapture scenario. Um, I don't know. I really don't. Um, but I do think it's going to happen because what I was told seemed quite real and what Jim was shown seemed quite real too. So um, cloning, yes, I have no doubt about it. Now, one thing that I remember was a hindrance with cloning. I really don't want to talk about this tonight. It's a, Tuesday, a Thursday subject, but I'll go with this here. Um, you might remember several years ago, it must have been 20 years now, um, they, they cloned a sheep called Dolly. And um, But what you don't hear very often about that whole thing is that uh, when Dolly was born, the, the, the should I say, the mother that, they got the DNA from oh let's see I don't know how old she was but she was like maybe five or six years old well when Dolly was born born could it be born if it's made in a lab I don't know um, when it came into this world me well you know what I mean <laughs> amniotic sac breaks and um, I think another sheep was carrying it that's true yes okay it's not wasn't it was in vivo not in vitro um, so when, uh, when Dolly was born, it was actually born like it was seven years old. It was still small and everything like a little lamb should be, but its genes were seven years old already. So it had died, it died kind of young when, when Dolly died. So, um, that, that was a problem with cloning back then and may still be a problem, um, that, you're you're cloned with um with old genes okay so that's something to think about and um ruminate on and if you're like me you take that and you start going in different avenues and stuff it's kind of neat it's neat to be a thinker and i know that if you listen to this show that you're a thinker too and it's us thinkers that get things accomplished you know um if i that was the look. Oh yeah, uh, I just recently bought a um, a camera system for security around here, and um, most people would buy it and say, "Oh, that's great," and they might even hire somebody to put it in, even though it's very easy to install. But me, I want to put it in myself. I want to pick the places, be able to afterwards move it around if it's not quite right. Uh, then I want to know what's what it's made out of. <clears throat> you know, where are the batteries? Because it has batteries that's supposed to last for two years. So where are those batteries? How do you replace the batteries? Um, are the batteries rechargeable or do you have to get new batteries? You know, all these questions come up. It's not just very, nothing is very simple to us thinkers. Right, folks? I know you know what I'm talking about. You know, uh, we're the ones that think about our actions before we do them. You know? Other people will free willy-nilly just do stuff, and yeah, that's it. But we think about, 
you know, the implications of what we're going to do. Is it going to affect other people? Is it going to hurt other people? Is it going to be a blessing to other people? And, and if it hurts them, how is it going to hurt them? And if it blesses them, how is it going to bless them? Um, we don't live in a day-by-day thing. We live a, in a projected way, us thinkers. Um, and I know I'm preaching to the choir about this, and I'm sorry, but um, when you realize that almost everybody out there, very few people are thinkers, um, and very few people deduce what their actions would be, uh, look at the consequences or the blessings of their actions. Um, and it's frustrating sometimes um, knowing that most people are that way because generally we think that everybody thinks like we do, right? We all think that the rest of the world, and then when they don't think about things, it's frustrating. It really is. I, I worked with people when I was a nurse. I worked with people at the mental hospital, you know, who's like, and they'd say stupid things that would set the patients off. And I'm like, why did you say that? Didn't you think before you said it? Didn't you know that this person had this problem and that it was going to be a trigger for them? You know, think. And in nursing school, that's what we're taught, to be critical thinkers. You know, doctors are taught to be critical thinkers. Psychiatrists are taught to be critical thinkers. Uh, CNAs are taught to be critical thinkers. Um, yeah, and they really need it too because they're out there with the population of patients uh, more than the rest of us are. And um, so it's, um, it's, it's vital. How many people hop into their car is not, you know... <laughs> I, when I get into my truck, I'm like, okay, I got to go downtown. I got to go to the hardware store. Is there anything else I need to get at the hardware store except light bulbs? You know, or I'm just using that as an example. Okay, uh, that drill bit I broke last week, I should probably get one of those. Um, and I've got to, you know, I've got to cut a bunch of wood next week, so I should probably pick up a saw, a new blade for my circular saw, you know. And, man, oh, man, it's just... It's, it's, it's a hard way to live, but it's a, it pays off. It really does. And critical thinking is something that we should do, not only do, but we should teach others to do. Because I know that everybody's capable of being a critical thinker. But I think some people are lazy. They don't like to, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to turn to, well, whatever, you know. <sighs> I don't know. I get frustrated and I should really, really just stop talking right now because I might say something that will tick somebody off if I haven't already. But um, anyway, folks, I, I, I presented what I did tonight, not as a fact, although I hope it is. Um, but as a, you know, even if it didn't happen now, if it ha and it's going to happen in the future, is this the way it's going to go, you know? Um so let's look at the things, you know, um, if you have to listen to this show again, and if you, you could just go to real raw news and read the articles yourself, for goodness sakes, just go there and read them and, um, and see what you think and see if you get anything else out of it. So, uh, that's all I ask is check what I give to you. Check what Brian gives to you. Check what anybody online gives to you and compare it with what you know is true. We, we compare things with Scripture because we know that Scripture is Yahweh's word and that it's the ultimate choice, the ultimate source book, so to speak. 
and you can find anything about anything even modern day stuff in there so um check what we give you okay make sure when you go to store and buy eggs you open up that egg carton i hope you do anyway to see if there's any cracked eggs in there uh you go to get milk you read the the you know the good until part of it you know uh, the expiration date um you know so you hear something online check it you can because everything's online and you can check real easy anyway i'm going to get off of this thing okay um i just hope you have a really good week until thursday and even after thursday but i'll be able to give you that wish again on thursday um so in the name of yeshua hamashiach jesus or jesus christ our lord uh, may, the, may he yahweh yeshua bless you and keep you may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you may he watch every step as you walk out and come in your every motion as you rise up and lie down may he give you the peace that passes all understanding nobody else just he but you have to ask for it and you have to know him okay there's only two criteria ask and know all right all right with that having been said i'm going to get off of this thing i'm going to give, wish you a happy evening or morning whatever time you're looking at this uh, and a blessed time too okay in the name of yeshua hamashiach lord our lord jesus christ amen and amen good night folks <laughs>